Hi and welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hi folks and welcome to episode 31 of The Three Good Podcast. So it's been a fair while fellow listeners since I last uh, published an episode. It was in July actually. That's when I last published an episode so my uh, podcasting app tells me. A lot's happened in that time uh, in truth. So I was away with work for a bit to Atlanta which was a good trip. Then had a bit of time off with the kids for summer holidays and then and then the week um and then two weeks after i was due back um uh, or rather two weeks after when i came back to work my father suffered a quite a severe stroke and for the last five weeks i've been with him and my mother to uh try and help to understand what his how serious his condition is and what care and ongoing therapy he needs so that's been quite a it's been quite a, a bit of period of time over the last month and a half or so coming up to 6 weeks on Tuesday actually and it's uh yeah it's, it's it's one of those times where suddenly you focus on the things that you need to do in order to keep things running and you discard a lot of other stuff personally that's ha- at least how I've been handling things and my mother has as well and I wrote a blog post last week where I was talking about lessons in personal resilience and how I'm having to I'm really careful about what I'm focusing on and where I'm paying my attention to because I need to make sure that I'm staying as resilient as I can and my well-being is as good as it can be so that I have the ongoing energy and um resilience to help my father and be with him so currently he's still in hospital and it's gonna it's gonna take a fair bit of time i think before he's uh, able to be moved into a rehab ward and then from there onwards his therapy and care will begin so um part of what's been going on over that period as well then is i've had time to because i'm having to journey back and forth to the hospital so I'm having time to catch up on various podcasts and that's been quite, uh, it's been a good way to help pass that time and not just uh, idle the drive away. And there's a fair few podcast episodes of other people's podcasts that I want to make mention of, which I think are worth listening to for, for different reasons. One is uh, two episodes from the from Freakonomics podcast. So the first episode that I thought was very interesting was a conversation with PepsiCo CEO Indra Nui, and that was fascinating because Indra is probably one of the most successful women CEOs of one of the best known brands in the world, and she's been at that helm for quite a long time. Um, I think it was probably the better part of a decade and absolutely fascinating to hear about the way that she manages her time, 
the manage um, how she handles different relationships, how they had to move PepsiCo forward as a company and differentiate the different types of products they offered to their consumers and um, and, and how they've had to think about innovation and startups. And that's quite fascinating to me that a big brand like PepsiCo would be alert to that and they're trying to really make sure that they're not getting taken over by potential competition. Lots of really fascinating stuff there about Indra's life as well, her upbringing, how she became the CEO of this company and how she led it and her leadership. I think her lessons in leadership are quite valuable um, considering the, uh, you know, like I said, it's one of the biggest known brands in the world. So it's quite a fascinating one. I'd recommend that one. The other one that I listened to, which I thought was also fascinating, but for completely different reasons, was episode 344, Who Decides How Much a Life is Worth? And this was just uh, probably one of the most somber episodes of um, a podcast I've listened to, but absolutely insightful about how do companies um, decide how to pay out um, for uh, um, corporate negligence or in cases such as 9-11 when the UK, US government just opened up their coffers and allowed for any amount to be settled how do you decide how much that amount should be and on the episode they talk with um, a, a lawyer called Kenneth Feinberg and the process that he has to go through in order to be able to understand how much money is available, having understood the amount that you can potentially pay out in total, how then do you start to understand the gravity of the situation, um, the severity of um, hurt or whatever or damage is caused to an individual or to the group, and then just trying to decide what's the impact on their life and what's the amount that they you think is fair to, to be able to give them. A truly, truly fascinating episode. Um, I'd, I'd really recommend it, actually. It's, it's, it's quite an insightful one about one of those aspects of uh, the modern world, which you just don't really, you know, unless it's a high-profile case, you don't really consider how these things potentially work. So those two are from the Free Economics podcast. Uh, the other one I've been taking time to make sure I catch up on is the Learning and Development podcast by David James. So learning and development is my profession. It's my chosen career. And it's a space in which I spend a lot of time writing about, talking about, attending conferences about. And uh, I've been a guest on the Learning and Development podcast. And I think the, he, I think David in, um, invites some really fascinating guests to talk to about the world of work, the world of learning and development in work, and uh, how do we help our people to learn, and how do we help them to um, be uh, access the right kind of learning and content and resources when they need it. And I think it, um, the podcast provides a lot of uh, challenge to the industry and it also really tries to help 
people understand how to move forward in that space as well. So those are some um, things that I've been catching up on while I've been taking my trips to go and see Dad and uh, help keep that time um, as 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 not productive. It's not the right word, but I just recognise that I've got about 40 minutes each way, and uh, of course I listen to music and the radio in the meantime. But I thought actually it's a good opportunity to catch up on the the podcast, which I don't. Um, when I'm at home or you know when I'm with the kids I don't really get to do that so one way to be able to pass that time at least so today's podcast episode then is I want to talk about and it says in the title you know is it okay to get angry and that's the question I want to try and answer in today's episode and it's in light of this week's um political <laughs> crisis i think is the right word for it uh or the ongoing politics in the uk right and I, this isn't an episode where i'm going to talk about politics but i really want to um, try and highlight some things that were brought out this week in and i think it's really fascinating so um quick recap as to where we're at in this week's state of politics in the uk so this week it was ruled that the prorogation that the that Boris Johnson's government had uh, put into effect for Parliament to be stopped was deemed unlawful by the Supreme Court in the UK. It was a unanimous decision, which very rarely happens, as I understand it, and uh, effectively meant that Parliament could resume, and it did the following day. And then what we had the following day was a lot of anger in the um, in Parliament from the parliamentarians, from our MPs, all eager to stress different things that they were affected by, and anger at the Prime Minister Boris Johnson himself because of language he is using, which is which has a divisive, which is divisive. It's not. I'm not. I don't need to have to mince my words here. So he's clearly using language and words where he wants to establish that he is the right leader to make Brexit happen. And in order for that to happen, he's speaking to a certain type of electorate in the UK and in his own party, where he wants to make clear that um, he sees this as a. Um, a very clear us and them situation of Brexiters versus Leavers, of the UK versus the EU, and using language like surrender, like um, talking about threats, talking about um, how um, you know, negotiations are progressing at pace, and along the way, quite strong other language about. Um, what the effect of all of uh, what the effect of Brexit could be if it doesn't happen, you know, and one of the things then that evoked in opposition party parliamentarians was anger at Boris himself in the language he was using to in an attempt to um, request of him to uh, temper his language. Now. What we saw also, though, wasn't just that. We also saw anger from the Tory party itself in 
expressing their anger at the opposition government and not just the opposition government but also other parties such as SNP about how they are seemingly frustrating the Brexit process and yeah, in particular that came from the Attorney General at this time Geoffrey Cox and he was quite clearly angry and he was quite clearly um, expressing his anger in a very forceful way. So emotions were clearly running high, clearly running high and um, and then and, and also it is worth mentioning one of the other very strong aspects that was talked about in Parliament was the threats against MPs against their lives and how in particular some of the uh, female MPs have threats of sexual violence and rape against them uh, for no other fact than they're just that they are women and so that also heightened a lot of the emotion and expression of that anger that they personally felt as well so quite a quite a hard week of politics and arguably you know um some people think that that was inappropriate you know it, some people say and i say some people this is this tends to be the people who who do not think that there is a place for such high emotion in parliament and that it is inappropriate for an mp or a parliamentarian to get angry and to express and vent their anger in parliament now this is where things become really tricky because this is where we have to really take a, a bit of a step back and question if we're not allowed so if our parliamentarians who are meant to be representatives of the people because they were voted in in that respect and if they have something that they care about and are passionate about and they have a and they have a need uh, they want to express that in a certain way yes it can be said in tempered language in a way which is very clear and powerful but why is it that if it's said with high emotion is it felt that the message is less impactful because of the emotion that's put into that message as well and i think this is where we fundamentally misunderstand the purpose of emotions at all in um, in the human condition and it it seems like in a profession like being an mp they uh, it is questioned whether or not you should allow your emotions to cloud your judgments your decision making uh, the arguments that you put forward and express and I think that's where we start to lose um, what it means to be human and the human side of kind of every equation uh, when it comes to you know, human decision-making processes. So let me take a completely different stab at this from uh, from a different perspective. When we think about in the world of sport and we consider um, peak athletes athletes who are absolutely at the top of their game who have such power such athleticism such dedication talent commitment skill to perform in the um, at the time that they need to 
part of that training, part of the way that they get there is that they learn with coaching and with um, help from psychologists in their team. Yeah, so they have sports psychologists and team psychologists who help them with these things. They, they work at understanding how to, how to um, channel their emotions, how to understand what they're feeling at any given moment and use that for the improvement of their performance in that at that at the moment they need it and we can see just how much that means to the athletes when they achieve the thing that they want to achieve so as an example uh, 2020, 2012 olympics super saturday mo farah greg rutherford jessica ennis hill all achieve outstanding results by winning gold in all of their um, uh, um, in all of the events that they took part in and pretty much all of them were in tears at the emotion that they the outpour of emotion that's highly appropriate and it's because they've had to control and channel their emotions in a way which enables them to to perform at their peak they haven't suppressed their emotions they haven't stopped themselves from feeling emotion what they what they've learned how to do is understand what their emotions are giving to them because it can be a very uh, you can use your uh, emotions in a very energetic way and they've been able to take that forward and help use that to help them achieve their results uh, i listened to a talk a few years back by dr steve peters who is the uh, who was at the time the coach for Sky Team, uh, team Sky, the cycling um, champions. And he was also talking about how he was coaching others like Ronnie O'Sullivan, the snooker player, and um, I can't remember the, the cyclist, the female cyclist's name. Um, I think it was Victoria Pendleton. And how in his coaching of them and helping them to understand the role of emotions when they would sometimes self-derail because there were instances where Ronnie, when he was playing snooker, would get so frustrated at the game, he would just whack balls on the table. Immediately know it was the wrong thing to do, but at that moment was caught in the grip of an emotion that he could not channel in the right way. And with Victoria, she had a similar type of um, barrier and blocker that, uh, that did not enable her to achieve the goals that she had set herself. And he had explained that once once he was able to help them understand and it took time right these things don't just happen just because someone tells you you have to do, do it in this way it's one of these processes where you have to personally understand for yourself how how am i being affected by my emotions when i am being affected what is the change in my behavior how am i being affected in my behavior by these emotions and what do i need to do in order to take that and move forward with it because you can't sit on these things. You can't just sit on your emotions and say, stop, I don't allow you to be present at this moment. I need to focus on this other thing. The human condition doesn't allow for that. So what what we, what the what sports athletes, peak, peak athletes do is they learn how to control that level of emotion. And I think that's a helpful example to help us understand how we can learn to control 
uh, no, sorry, not control. We can learn to understand what our emotions are telling us. And if we understand that emotions are information to the body, it really helps to break down the myths that emotions are a bad thing for us to express or feel at high moments of tension. So if I come back to the example this week of Parliament and the way that everyone was expressing themselves and how it was highly emotional. So part of the way that we need to, that humans deal with hard emotions is that we have to express them. They need to cut, they need to be vocalized, articulated or expressed in a way which helps us to make sense of what's going on for us. That can happen in private, that can happen with others, it can happen in public. However it happens, it's not necessarily about right and wrong, it's about what is being expressed at that moment in the context of that situation and is it helpful to that individual to do it in that way at that time. It can be and I think that's one of the hardest things to really understand is how do we help people to understand whether or not they should be, you know, so say, for example, you're at a restaurant and you see a couple having a heated argument and, you know, people are unsure about what they should do in that situation. But also the couple themselves will be quite aware that they are having this heated argument in a public forum. And so it can be quite challenging in that time and space to be able to know as part of the couple having that heated argument how are you supposed to reduce what's going on in that moment so it doesn't escalate to um, even further anger and further um, raised voices and for others around it it yeah you know, because you don't know the context of what's happening in that situation other than you can you can hear and see a heated argument take place you don't know how you're supposed to in um, intervene if you're supposed to at all <clears throat> and I think what happens in these types of situations is that we dismiss what's happening because of the high emotion itself we we don't listen as carefully as we should because there's so so much high emotion taking place that it overpowers the message and it's not that the message is any less potent or any less powerful is that the the expression itself through the high emotion makes it hard for an individual to really pay attention to what's being said and I think that comes back to how as a people how we understand what emotions are for and I say this to my kids quite regularly that when they get angry I have no problem with them being angry anger is a normal emotion it means that something has happened which is stopping that person from achieving something or something has frustrated them or it's blocking them or there's a barrier of some sort and it's really made them angry. And they, they need to express that. They need to let that out. And I, I always say to them, like, I have no problem with you needing to express your anger. Where the trouble normally arises is the, the way the anger is expressed. And by not helping, I think this is what happens in the main. I think we we have such a poor relationship with our emotions that when we have high emotion, and in particular anger, when we have a high emotion like that and it's expressed with hard language and it's expressed in ways which can seem like um, there's finite things being expressed, 
that it becomes difficult to know how am I supposed to help that person resolve what they're feeling and also respond in an appropriate way which which lets them know that they are being heard and that they are not you're not dismissing what they're feeling as well because they're, they're part and parcel of the same thing and um, and I think that's what happened I think this week we've seen in Parliament is a prime example of that and then people's reactions to that in the public afterwards tends to be that there's too much high emotion in Parliament these are not the right kind of people that should be leading the country these are not the people that we represent you know that we vote to represent us but what they are fundamentally misunderstanding in that whole context is that we can't it doesn't matter what kind of privileged position of power you might be in it does not mean that you stop being an emotional being as a very heightened example of that we see this quite readily with Donald Trump we see that how he instantly reacts to various types of news various types of media through his use of Twitter and does not restrain his expression in any way whatsoever and there are many very many people who will justify his reactions and be very okay with the way he says things what he says how he says things who he says them to and they do not um, mind and they do not think it is inappropriate that he does it in that way Partly that's because he's a man and we give men a wider berth with emotions than we do women. When men tend to express themselves with anger, it tends to be because they are explained away as being passionate about the thing that they are talking about. When women tend to do it, it's because they are emotional. And it's a, it serves to be a very potent example of how there are clear different standards for the way women express their emotions and the way men express their emotions but it also speaks to how there is no difference in how emotions affect men and women there just isn't people like to think there is because there's societal norms quite strong societal norms which have built up over a long period of time where it's meant to be that men are meant to be in control of their emotions and as a as a norm that's not a bad norm in and of itself it can be a very healthy thing if we helped our men to, and helped um, men in society understand how what that actually means so when they are feeling angry we need to teach men and boys not to use violence or abusive language to vent and release that anger it's not that's not how that's not a healthy way to deal with anger what that ends up having the effect of is if we go into those types of behavior it fuels the anger that we're already feeling and it doesn't help us to resolve it similarly just walking away from a situation and not coming back to it in order to resolve what happened at that moment in that context isn't a healthy thing either all we're doing is suppressing something which will inevitably inevitably come out at some point later and either be expressed in ways which are unhelpful and harmful to others and even to yourself or probably leaves the situation and that emotion in particular at that for that 
situation further unresolved. So you, I, I think you can see what I'm trying to describe here is that there's a there are a certain set of practices which are in play around emotions and in particular high emotions and in particular anger as a high emotion which we don't do a good enough job of helping our children and adults in society to know how to handle these things well and I think it's um, I think we're I think we're only at the very as, as much research as there has been done into how to be an emotionally intelligent adult and what that can mean and what that can allow for, I still think that it's at very early stages of penetrating into wider society. And you know, I applaud the work of people like Brene Brown talking about her work on vulnerability and shame and guilt. And um, and recently, I I, I uh, actually I say recently probably about two months ago maybe a bit more than that I spent a day just consuming her content that she's got out there and I was genuinely so enthralled and so immersed into her content that I was learning heaps just from listening to her and she's got different things out there that I would encourage you to listen to she has two different tech talks she has a Netflix um, production, which is uh, about an hour and 20 minutes of her having more time to talk about the topics that she talks about. And there's a very good podcast with Russell Brand, where they have a really great conversation about vulnerability, spiritualism and human, yeah, what it means to be human. All of that together was quite rich content. And I think what she really powerfully expresses in all of those different types of um in, in all of that is that you know when we have high emotions running part of our responsibility as humans is to have the empathy to be able to let the other person know we're ready to listen to them we're ready to take the time and you know not get into um a breakdown of what the person is saying to criticize it to um, get into what aboutery language, which which is often what happens in the political space, and often happens in the kind of personal relationship space as well. You know, one person says something, and the other person says, "Yeah, but what about when you did X, Y, and Z?" And that's not that's not about empathy at all. That's just about having a battle. You know, it's combative language. It's combative arguments. It's not about empathy. Empathetic approaches around this when people are feeling angry is to be able to say is to be able to just listen actually you know is to be able to just let the person say what they have to say and genuinely try and express back and relay back what you think you've heard without a need to have to offer any kind of solutions without a need to have to offer anything else other than I'm listening I'm trying to understand what you're expressing and then taking the time to work that through and that takes time you know it doesn't offer immediate solutions and i think this is the thing which frustrates people who have who who do struggle with high emotion is that i think they do understand that in order to resolve high emotion you need to have further discussion you need to have further conversation there needs to be ref reflection there needs to be thought and there needs to be care given to those conversations which allows both parties in to be 
come through and have a better appreciation of what's happening and what can be how things can move forward. But we live in a time at the moment where that kind of thinking, that kind of time is not allowed. We don't allow it for ourselves and it can be quite, it ends up adding to the frustration. And, and I think that's what ends up happening too regularly and it means that we have to then um, find other ways in order to be able to express ourselves and in the public spaces that's radically uh, not radically that can be quite difficult because you're constantly asked about certain types of situations and certain types of um, questions where you have to give certain answers back where you're not allowed to genuinely express what you're thinking and feeling for fear that other people may see you as weak or they say may see you as um, not in control of your situation and that's wrong right because I say it's wrong you know that's my opinion my opinion is that's that's not a helpful place to be and certainly this is the work that Brene Brown helps us to really understand is that being vulnerable enough to be able to show up and say well I tell you what this is how I'm affected by this and this is what I understand in this situation and this is how I re trying to resolve we move forward on this as opposed to a corporate line or a party political message that you have to stick to and I think the world of politics muddies how we think about emotions and how we think about that the the way that we express ourselves because you know things are very carefully crafted to be expressed in a certain way so that so that um, we are seen to have uh, faith in our politicians and that we are seen to, and the perception is that our politicians are capable so the, it, it can be quite it's quite I think when we talk about anger when we talk about high emotions you know and is it okay to be angry I think the question itself is a flawed question I don't agree that the question is a valid question is it okay to be angry of course it is it is a natural human emotion it's not about whether or not the emotion itself is acceptable it, it often is more about how the anger is expressed or released and i think that's the key thing is the release of the anger it needs to be something which is carefully thought through and we really take the time to understand how that happens it took me a while to understand that uh, in order for when i'm in a, a situation i'm feeling angry and i'm feeling quite um frustrated or annoyed about something what helps me to resolve it is empathy with me so that someone's taken the time to genuinely understand what i'm trying to say and um and appropriate intimacy and what i mean by that is uh, if it's with my partner then it's about um holding hands hugging being physically close with one another and if it's with friends or with um, my children for example it's um, it's about letting them know that I'm expressing myself in an intimate way and I just need them to hear me and um, and, be, and have that empathy with me so I think I think that's what I mean when I talk about appropriate intimacy so but that's going to be different for each person right that's how i understand for myself i need to resolve anger when i'm in that kind of heightened emotion but for other people it's going to be quite a different thing and it's not always going to be possible for that to happen either 
right? Just because I might be angry in situation X doesn't mean that one of my resolutions is readily available to me. So I need to find other ways in the, and I do, right? We all, we, we all have these, you know, um, uh, methods, uh, that's not the right word I'm looking for. Uh, we all have a way to be able to handle the emotion that we're feeling, uh, particularly with anger and, and when it's heightened. And, you know, sometimes we'll walk away from a situation, sometimes we'll find a friend to vent to, and, you know, or sometimes we might just have an outburst of some sort. And none of that is wrong. You know, <laughs> there's no right way to express or deal with anger, unless, of course, the anger is expressed in violent and abusive ways. That is un that is clearly wrong and it is clearly unhealthy. And that's the, that's where we have to really be careful about how um, how we understand what anger is doing to us and what we need to do in order to resolve it. You know, so when people say, um, you know, I can't help myself when I'm angry. What they mean to say is, I have no other outlet other than being violent or abusive because that's all I was ever taught. I wasn't taught any other healthy, helpful way to express and release my anger other than these violent, abusive ways. And that's all I know how to do. I can't talk about it because I was never taught how to talk about my anger. I can't release it in another way because I was never taught that something else such as going for a run or going to do some boxing or something else where I'm physically releasing a lot of energy can be an adequate and actually might be more appropriate way to get rid of that heightened emotion that I'm feeling. So there's, there's a fair amount there, you know, that I think we need to work with still. And I think we've, I think we've still got a long way to go. There's yeah, as much as there is a lot of need to have to resolve the political situations that we're currently facing and societal you know, um, impacts of these things, there is also the need to have to be very aware of the language we're using and the language is affected by the emotions that we're feeling and how we express those in ways which help others to understand us that I that you feel that you are using your emotions as best as you can in those situations Whew, that was quite a big one folks um, I hope there was stuff there for you to think about I hope there was stuff there that prompts you to want to think on this further and explore some really fascinating stuff out there about emotions and how do we how do we understand them and what can we do to start to um, you know work with our emotions as opposed to trying to suppress and control them so i'm going to leave it there for now i hope you have had a good weekend everyone i hope this um, episode has been a, a helpful one to you i will catch you all on the next one and as i've understood it i need to start telling you all to Please start commenting on these things uh, in the different podcast apps, liking it in different places. If you're listening to it off iTunes, apparently if you start to do um, interactive things on there, it helps make my stuff become a bit more popular. And I guess that would be a nice thing to happen. Okay, folks, until the next one, take care. <laughs>